Today is one of the most important lessons I think that I've ever taught uh, to a group of ministers, but also to a group of people. It's on the three fires that you need. Now you may not even realize you need any fires, but this is on the three fires that you need. Now I'm going to take this from the Old Testament, the New Testament, and then put it into a modern context today. So we can go through three different layers of these three fires. So the, the three fires that you need is a bonfire, a campfire, and a lamp. Okay, so these are the three fires you need. Now I'm talking about for your spiritual development. If you want to be spiritually mature, you need a bonfire, you need a campfire, and you need a lamp. Now, what is it about fire that uh, intrigues us so much? I mean, we will sit by the fire for hours and just watch it jump from log to log. There's something about the liveliness of fire and there's something about the beauty of fire that it, as it skips around from log to log just mesmerizes us. Uh, you know, we build fireplaces in our house just to sit and look at fires and also to keep warm, but that's the biggest reason. Uh, we light candles to create moods. We create bonfires so we can gather our friends. Uh, we cook meat on fires. We love cookouts and grills and fire intrigues us. We love the smells. We love the sights of fire. And it's one of those things that intrigues us. But you know, it's not only us that's intrigued by fire. God is also intrigued by fire as much as we are. So much so that he chooses fire to show up to certain people. For instance, he shows up to Moses in a burning bush. How many of you know he could have just as easily shown up in a windstorm or he could have shown up in a shadow or a cloud or he could have shown up in a, in a, in a you know, anything he wanted really. He's God. But he chooses fire to show up and display his glory through fire at the burning bush. He also chooses fire for people to burn sacrifices on. You know, in the Old Testament, the closest thing to worship was a barbecue. You bring lambs and meat and you cook it before the Lord. And God said, I'll smell the smoke and you eat the meat and we'll call that worship. They didn't have bands and, and, and uh, they didn't have praise teams and sermons and Bibles and they had none of that. So barbecue was considered worship. Um, they, God chooses whenever he wants to make Israel's enemy afraid of him to show up in a pillar of fire. You know, that's what the Bible says that pillar of fire was about. So he would break out against their enemies and intimidate their enemies. On the day of Pentecost, we had tongues of fire that came and settled upon all of us. Even God chooses to, to punish his enemies in a lake of fire. So God loves fire and sees that as intriguing as we do. Even when Jesus shows up in the glorified, in his glorified form, he has eyes of fire. So his eyes are like fire and his feet look like fine brass burning in a furnace. So he's got his feet are on fire and his eyes are on fire in his glorified state where, when John saw him in the book of Revelation. So God is intrigued by fire. We're intrigued by fire. So it's not even a long stretch for me to see that we need fire and that God uses this to describe our spiritual growth. So we're going to talk about these three fires, first of all, in the Old Testament concept. So the three fires you need is the bonfire, the campfire, and the lamp. So he starts by giving Israel these ways to meet with him. 
God shows up in the camp of Israel uh, as a, as in ways, in forms where they can physically see him, they can physically worship him, and he can actually speak to them through these types of mediums. So the first thing he does is he uses the, the bonfire, and the bonfire would be the pillar of fire in the middle of the camp. Now, some people say that pillar of fire is just there to warm the camp, but think about that for a moment. There's one pillar of fire in the middle. There's three million people. There's no way all of them can be warmed by the fire if they're camped on the outer skirts. So it wasn't for that reason. Uh, some people say it was, was to light up the camp. I'm sure it did light up the camp. But the Bible says that the reason for the pillar of fire was to terrify their enemies. They, as long as the pillar of fire was there, no enemy dare approach Israel. They saw God in the camp and God would break out against them through the pillar of fire as he did the armies of Pharaoh and other people. So that was the first pillar or the first fire, and it was a bonfire. So the bonfire is a place for gathering. That's where the children of Israel would gather around God. Now, secondly, God chose a separate fire through the brazen altar. The brazen altar then becomes the intimate fire. Now, I realize that when God put the brazen altar inside the temple, that some people think that three million people gathered around the, that campfire, basically, that brazen altar. But that's not what happened. If you look at the dimensions of that temple, of the, the, of the tabernacle, rather, the dimensions of that tabernacle, you know, only about 30 people could come in there at a time. So I'm sure heads of household and their immediate families would come in. They would bring their lambs and rams before the Lord. They would cook it and then they would take the meat home and feed it to the rest of their family. So this was a place where the Levites would stand around and instruct them in the ways of the Lord. So this was in essence Israel's campfire, which was the brazen altar. Well, then you would go into the inside of the, of the, holy, of the uh, temple or the tabernacle rather. And there was the menorah which was the lamp. You could call it the candle if you wanted to. That was an intimate place with God. That's where the oil, the holy oil was poured in there and only the priests could go there and, um, and have the benefit of this intimacy with God. The people would only get intimacy with God when they would light their own candles in their homes and worship God that way or their own lamps. So let's fast forward. That's the Old Testament, how God ministered to Israel. Let's fast forward now to the New Testament. Now, when you get into the New Testament era with Jesus, you see that Jesus is ministering to his disciples differently. Now, the ministry of Jesus looks like sitting around a campfire and talking. Uh, most of Jesus' ministry is this. So some people think that Jesus' ministry was about large crowds and big gatherings and healing lines. Well, there's only a handful of those in the whole Bible. You know, he feeds the 5,000, the place he feeds the 4,000. But the rest of the time, he's meeting in someone's house. When they took the roof off the house and brought the lame man in, he's inside someone's house. The rest of the time, he's sitting around campfires, training his disciples, setting the world on fire through a campfire, an intimate place where he was discipling people. So when you, got to the, when you get to the New Testament, the ministry of Jesus looked different because the world had changed. Remember, there's no more pillar of cloud. The pillar of cloud goes away when they cross over the Jordan River into the promised land. It only stayed there with them during the time of Moses. So when Moses died and the children of Israel 
got ready to go across with Joshua, the pillar of cloud did not go with them, the pillar of fire. So there is no more pillar of fire. In the time of Jesus, they had synagogues. Now, the synagogue was the central place for gathering people and learning. So when you look at the times of Jesus, you go into a synagogue. And I want you to see uh, what the synagogues look like. Because inside of a synagogue, one of the most holy features of the synagogue is called the Aron Kadesh. Now, the Aron Kadesh, if you look at this picture... Uh, you'll see a very elaborate one, which is overlaid with gold. And you're going to see a very simple one on the right. Well, both of them are just boxes. They're cabinets, basically, that house the Torah scroll. So because the Torah scroll is the most important part of, their, of the synagogue, they have these beautiful uh, boxes that house the Torah scroll, the Aron Kadesh. Well, they open that up and then they bring the Torah scroll into the Bema. So let me show you what a bema looks like. Now, this is the same word. This is a Hebrew word, actually. But it's also the same concept that we get the bema judgment seat of Christ. It's basically a raised platform that's in the middle of the synagogue. And the dimensions of the bema is the same dimensions of the brazen altar. Okay, so the brazen altar used to be the campfire. But now that the bonfire has gone away, it's now become the bonfire. Remember, they only had this small little space inside the, the tent of meeting in, inside the tabernacle. So only a handful of people could get in there. So what they've done is they've built this, they've built this bema in the middle of the synagogue, which symbolizes the brazen altar because it's built in the same dimensions. But now it's the gathering place. So these synagogues are big and elaborate. Now, this first one that I'm showing to you is in Liverpool, England. Now, look how, lab, how elaborate this synagogue is. I mean, it's absolutely stunning. It's amazing. You can see the chairs on one side, the chairs on the other side. The women sit on one side, the men sit on the other side. In some synagogues, the men sit on the main floor. And then there's a balcony where the women sit above them in the balconies. But the men and women never sit together in the synagogue. So this is the gathering place. So now the synagogue represents the bonfire in Jesus' day. Uh, here is another one I want to show you, which is a first century synagogue. So this one that you're looking at now would be the kind that Jesus preached. As a matter of fact, the picture you're looking at now is a place where Jesus preached. So keep in mind when Jesus reads the Isaiah scroll and he says today this has been fulfilled in your, in your gathering. He is standing in the bema reading this Isaiah scroll. Now, I don't have time to tell you how the synagogue works, but there are several readings. There's seven readings of scripture in synagogue. And so the last one is some, you know, there's, there's the reading from the priest. There's a reading from the, from the head of the synagogue. There's a reading of, um, of one of the prophets. So there's sev several readings in the synagogue of the Torah scroll. Well, at this particular synagogue, Jesus gets up and reads in this bema that you're looking at now. So the one you just saw is where Jesus would have actually done that or, or, or spoken. So here's one more that I want you to see. And um, this is also a more defined bema. So you can kind of see the priest there reading inside that bema. And, and, that, and they're basically 
given them the Torah. Okay, so keep in mind, now the bima is the size of the brazen altar. It's the gathering place during the time of Jesus. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at briancutshaw.com or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at Church Trainer. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you and God bless you. And may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word. So Jesus goes to the synagogue for the bonfire. That's where the people gather. But what Jesus also does is he goes to the campfire for discipling the disciples. So Jesus taught people from the temples of the synagogue as the larger getting the bonfire, but the campfire is where he taught his disciples. This is where the disciples would come back to Jesus and say, were you really talking about farming Or was there a deeper meaning? Jesus would say, oh, you mean the parable of the sower? Yeah, actually, I was talking about the word of God. So the, the, the seed that's being sown is the word of God. The bird that ate the seed is the devil. The, uh, the, the ground that I talked about is the earth and the people on the earth. And so, uh, so he explained to them the parables of the wheat and tare. They would, all of the parables that Jesus taught, he would come back to the campfire and explain it. So keep in mind that most people have a place to gather, but not a place to ask questions, which is what the campfire does for us. Now, the 12 people that Jesus chose, if you've ever looked at their profiles, they were, it looked like a ridiculous choice. I mean, Jesus chose Simon, who's rioting in the streets as a zealot. Jesus chooses Matthew, who's hated by everybody. He's a tax collector. Jesus chooses Peter, who's a hot-headed fisherman, who rebukes Christ, tries to cut off the ear of the soldier, got the sword in his hand, ready to go to battle and fight. He's this old rough-and-ready, sun-baked fisherman. Jesus chooses John, who's a teenage boy, he's 15 years of age. And Jesus chooses him. Jesus chooses most of his disciples are teenagers, or just figuring out how to go through life. But he brings them around a campfire and changes their life forever. The most important fire in Jesus' time was not the bonfire, was not even the candle. It was the campfire. The campfire turned the world upside down. Now, They also had the lamp. The lamp was intimacy with God. Just like in the Old Testament, it was the menorah. Now you have these little lamps that you light and you, you, you worship God on your own. So the three fires you need is the bonfire, the campfire, and the lamp. And they had all of those present in Jesus' times. So now let's fast forward into where we live today. When we go forward to our life today, We have bonfires. We have great bonfires, worship services. And what everybody wants is the big gathering. And you know what? You have to have that. The bonfire has always been there. You can't really grow spiritually without a bonfire. 
But we have great bonfires. We have places to gather and raise our hands and worship and sing the songs of Zion and forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. I mean, that's, that's the biblical New Testament model for spiritual growth. We, you can't have the gifts of the Spirit operating unless you come together. You can't have, you know, we, we're interdependent in the gifts of the Spirit. You need someone with the gift of, of healing the sick to lay hands on other people who are sick. It's some people with the gift of, of faith to stand and, and intercede for those people who don't have faith in that moment of trial. You, so the gifts of the Spirit work within the body of Christ. You can't really have your own private Jesus and private, private, you know, spiritual gifts. They just won't flow. And I'm just being honest with you. They just won't flow. It can't be me and Jesus got our own thing going here. The bonfire is necessary for spiritual growth. But look around you. There's bonfires everywhere. We go to concerts. We go to church services. I think what we have more than anything else are great bonfires, great bonfires, wonderful preaching, wonderful worship services, wonderful times of, of spiritual growth. So we're growing from the bonfire. And I also think that we have the best lamps we've ever had in our life. That is not missing. We have the Bible and about any version you want to read it in. Any translation you like, if you don't like this translation, there's another translation. We have podcasts. We have YouTube. We have inspirational quotes. We have social media quotes. We have, we have CDs and DVDs and so many things for our personal life. I mean, if you want to get personal with God and you can't, it's your own fault. Let's just be honest. There's so many tools out there. There's so many great podcasts. There's so many amazing books that have been written. There's so many great YouTube channels that you can watch. If you want to get private with God, the songs that are being written, my goodness. If you want to get private with God, you can. Because there's more tools than you've ever had before. But you know what most people are missing? Most people are missing the campfire. Most people are missing a place that they can be vulnerable, a place where they can be accountable. If you don't have a campfire, you probably have no accountability. If you don't have a campfire, you probably don't have any vulnerable place that you can ask questions. So let's, let's, let's be honest. Where can a minister go and say, I read that in the Bible, but I don't understand it. You know, if, if you're a pastor, everyone expects you to know everything about the Bible. You're supposed to be able to quote it from cover to cover and explain it in your sleep. And they can throw all these big questions at you all the time. And you're always in the hot seat to answer every question. Well, what if you read something in the Bible that you don't understand? Where do you go? What safe place do you go to and do what the disciples did? These are the same disciples casting out demons they didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. So they had to ask questions. What does that mean? Campfires are where you ask the questions. Campfires are covenant relationships with a select group of people that you can get very real, genuine, and authentic with. You know, some churches have small group ministries, and that's probably the best model of a campfire that the church has to offer today. Joining a small group, getting to know people, 
getting a little bit vulnerable. They get in enough in your business that they're helpful, but not so much in your business that they're trying to control your life. So that's what the campfire looks like. Ministers need campfires to grow. You know, I, I coach uh, coaching teams. And one of the things that I love about those coaching teams is after a while, I've got one particular team in Hawaii that I, we've all gotten very, very tight. It's a Zoom meeting because they're all on different islands and I'm here in the mainland. And so it's a Zoom meeting every month. But when we get together, these guys will cry. They will ask questions. They will say, I don't understand it. One time they just drilled me over and over and over about questions in the book of Revelation. Um, one pastor said, I'm having a hard time preaching. Can you explain how to structure a sermon in a way that it can make better sense? Yeah, I, I sure can. I know how to do that. You know, and so that's what that environment creates, a place to ask questions, to be vulnerable. Three fires you need is a bonfire. I think you're probably getting that at your local church. If you don't have a local church, find a local church because you can't grow spiritually without a good bonfire. You probably have great lamps in your life. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you, if you don't have a good personal, private relationship with God, you need to get a good podcast. You need to get a good version of the Bible, audio Bibles, audio books. There's a, hundreds of ways to do that. There is no reason why anyone shouldn't have an intimate walk with God. But the thing that I think is missing in most people's life is campfire. People that you can get close enough to to ask questions. You know, when I was growing up as a kid, we had Sunday school. And most of it was boring. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Some of the, most of the teachers were not well prepared and most of it was just kind of boring. But you know what did happen in that Sunday school class? We could ask questions. I had um, several elders at Twin Rivers, 42 actually in all. And um, my elders at Twin Rivers would come together once a month. And a part of our meeting for 30 minutes of our meeting was nothing but Bible study. And we would break off into tables and each of the elders had groups, like one was called Team Joshua, Team Jabez, Team Daniel. They chose biblical names, Team Elijah. And these elders would break off into groups and just study the Bible together. And then I would walk around from table to table and just weigh in on what they were discussing, talk about what they were discussing. It was a campfire. We knew you can't, you can't have a campfire with 42. That's, that's a bonfire. But we had a campfire, and each of those groups would get together and discuss the scriptures. And these men got so tight, they would meet outside for coffee on other days. That's what a campfire does. It's your people that you get together with, and iron sharpens iron. So I'm going to pray for you that the Lord will give you those three fires. If you don't have a bonfire, you need one. Are you going to suffer in your spiritual growth? If you don't have a lamp, you need one. Are you going to suffer in your spiritual growth? But the most important one you need is the one that Jesus used to turn the world upside down. I need a campfire and you need a campfire. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now, 
that you will give every person who hears this teaching a great bonfire, a big, beautiful, glorious, celebrative bonfire. But Lord, also give them beautiful lamp moments, candle light moments with God, romance with the King. Give them intimacy with the Lord. But God, for every person hearing this teaching that doesn't have a campfire, a place to trust, a place to grow, a place to be vulnerable, a place to be real, a place to ask questions, I ask you, Lord, that you will give them a campfire. And Lord, the only way I know to get one is to ask you for it. You have to draw the right people together because we live in a world of distrust. We live in a world of skepticism and a world of filters where we only want people to see a certain side of us, but not all of us. So Lord, that campfire has to be supernaturally constructed to really work. So Lord, give us a campfire. And I ask this for everyone who hears this this teaching today, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and I hope the Lord will bless and keep you. Now, let me give you the priestly blessing. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace, in Jesus' name. God bless you. This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand His kingdom around the world.